Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus told a story about a man going out into a field and discovering this pearl. Um, And it was so valuable that he went and sold everything he had to buy the field so that he could have this pearl of great price. I want you to know something. The gospel is a pearl of great price. Uh, Jesus paid for it with his blood. uh, And the Bible says that God planned the gospel before time began. And so all of this is what God has done for us and planned for us. And through the gospel, God reconciles us to himself. He justifies us. He glorifies us. He adopts us. All of these things come to us through the gospel. And, uh, and we need to retain the truth of the gospel. I don't care what age you live in, the gospel will be under attack because the devil hates it. Uh, he doesn't want to see people set free. He doesn't want to see people know the forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ. So he'll do everything he can to oppose it outside the church and to pervert it inside the church. So the gospel must be preserved. And uh, in the scripture that we're going to look at here tonight, there's a struggle going on. Uh, Paul is struggling for the gospel. He is waging war, so to speak, to use a term we used this morning, but this is in, in the intellectual area. He is trying to preserve the truth, the right teaching of the gospel by addressing these wrong ideas and these wrong conceptions that have been going on. Uh, But he's doing so in a way that will build up the church rather than tear it down. Sometimes when you have a struggle that's going on and you have different ideas of what the truth is, um, there are considerations. Jesus said that an enemy sowed tares among the wheat. He was telling his disciples, explaining a parable And he says, an enemy has done this. They said, should we pull up the tares? And Jesus said, no, let them grow together until the harvest. And then God will gather the wheat uh, and then the tares will be burned. But until then, leave them to grow together. And so sometimes he says, lest you pull out the wheat when you pull out the tares. So sometimes situations are such that uh, you need wisdom in how to go about Uh, waging this war to preserve the gospel as it is. And so we need to rely on God to give us wisdom in how to share and preserve and stand for the gospel. Uh, The time of message is living wisely in times of warfare. Living wisely in times of warfare. Look at verse 1 of Galatians chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. I went up according to Revelation and presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders, so that I might not be running or have run the race in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. This issue arose because of false brothers smuggled in 
who came in secretly to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Now, from those recognized as important, what they really were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. Since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. When James, Cephas, or Peter, and John, recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. And so if you remember from last week, Paul said, I received this gospel from revelation from God. I didn't go to be taught this gospel. It was given to me by God. Uh, And I made a, a brief visit to see Peter, and I met James, the brother of the Lord, but uh, but I did not uh, broach the topic of uh, the difference uh, uh, or the or the uh, argument about the gospel probably hadn't even come up at that point. And so, after 14 years, 14 years of ministry, Paul goes up to Jerusalem to meet James, the brother of the Lord, uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, and the apostle John, and he has a private meeting with them. And uh, this private meeting is to present his gospel that he's been preaching to them. And uh, they say, hey, hey, Paul, that's exactly what we're preaching. Uh, and so uh, they give him the right hand of fellowship, which was, was uh, considered uh, a, a statement of agreement. And so Paul's saying, look, I took it up to these men privately, and they agree with me. So apparently his, his enemies had been using this idea, well, Paul's kind of a second-class apostle, and uh, we know that James, the brother of the Lord, and Peter and John are, are teaching that you need to be circumcised to be saved. Paul says, wait a second, no, not true. Whether they're in Jerusalem or whether they're here, the apostles are in unity about what the gospel is. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so, um, so um, this is kind of what's going on here in this passage. Uh, so how do we live wisely in times of warfare? The first thing is we need to listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Look at verse 2. I went up according to Revelation. So 14 years have passed. He's not gone up to present his gospel, but after 14 years, Paul says, I'm going up. Why? Because God revealed to me that I needed to go. Okay? It was in the purpose, uh, probably for the sake of the unity of the church. Because these Judaizers were going from place to place trying to convince people you had to be circumcised to be saved. And there was this rift. Paul was saying, no, circumcision is not anything or uncircumcision. It's faith in Jesus Christ that matters. And so uh, there's this rift in the church. And, and Paul is seeking to bring people together in unity in a common 
uh, uh, stated gospel. And uh, they were preaching, the apostles were preaching the same gospel, but there was a group in James Church in Jerusalem that was not preaching the true gospel. They were preaching that you had to be circumcised to be saved. Uh, and so Paul is listening to the Holy Spirit. This is so important. Sometimes there's something you need to do, but there's a right time to do it. Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about this. There's a time to speak and a time to refrain from speaking. A time to be born and a time to die. I won't go through all of them. But he talks about all the times of life and the, the wisdom that God gives to do things in the right time. Well, how do you know how to do things in the right time? Well, one way is you pray about it. And you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes when you have a good purpose and you have a right step that you want to take, God knows that you're not the person that needs to take it. Somebody else needs to. I'll give you an example. David. You remember David said, I'm going to build a temple for the Lord. This was his plan. This was his heart. He had a passion for the things of God. He said, I want to honor God. I want to build a temple. Isn't that a great idea? Great purpose that God had given David. God told him through the prophet, you're not the one to build it. Solomon's going to build it. And so David helped prepare, but he did not build the temple. Why? Because God had appointed someone else to do it. So sometimes God may use somebody else to do this necessary thing, and in prayer the Holy Spirit will say, no, that's not for you to do. Maybe God knows that you don't have tact. <laughs> or maybe God knows that uh, if you do it, it will damage your relationship with this person and God wants to use you in this person's life. There could be a, a million reasons, but the purpose is you listen to the Holy Spirit and you let him guide you in the circumstances that you're in. And so Paul loves the church. He loves the Jews. He loves the Gentiles. Uh, he loves the people at Jerusalem. He loves the, loves the people all over uh, the Roman Empire. But uh, he waits until 14 years have passed to come make this statement and to try to bring the two parts of the church together. So important. Uh, I remember uh, one time there was a person that I felt like needed to be confronted. Not in this church, so don't, don't start speculating. Uh, but uh, there's a person I felt like I needed to confront. And yet I kept feeling the Holy Spirit say, no, don't do it now. And so I waited and I waited. I even received criticism for not confronting this person. But finally the time came and the circumstances came into place and God gave me a freedom to do it. But the groundwork had been laid. And I looked back at this and I thought, you know what? If I had confronted this man back then, our church would have been torn apart. And I could only see it in hindsight. Um, listen to the Holy Spirit. In your, in your relationships, in your home, and in every, every area of life, listen to the Holy Spirit. So important. But especially if you're waging a battle. It could be your own personal spiritual struggle with the enemy, like we talked about this morning. Or it could be a battle over ideas. You want to believe that ideas can be volatile? 
look at our national life. Are you pro-life or are you pro-choice? Talk about volatile. Do you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman? Or do you believe anybody can be married? Um, it's volatile. There are two different sets of ideas about these things. Probably more than two, but, but at least two. And, and there's this opposition of these ideas and people get angry. And I can remember going to a, a forum when I was at Southern Illinois University and hearing them debating about uh, abortion. And there were some people there that were just angry. I mean, spitting angry about this issue. And so sometimes ideas, and it's not that we don't, you know, we don't say anything because we don't want to make any, anybody upset. Uh, sometimes you need to take a stand even when people get upset. Um, and Paul apparently wasn't too concerned about hurting feelings in 2 Corinthians where he said, look, if you don't respond to my letter, uh, I'm going to come to you and, and I'm going to have to deal with this in a very direct way and you don't want me to do that. And so make sure you deal with this problem before I get there. And so he, he, was, he was recognizing there's a problem and he was going to do it even though it was unpopular to do so. But how do you know when and how to deal with a problem. Sometimes situations are very, very delicate. Uh, you remember the story about the man in Corinthians, uh, the Corinthian church, and uh, they had to confront him over his um, incestuous relationship with his, with his stepmother. And they said, and Paul says, uh, I, as I'm present with you, I want you to deliver such a one over to Satan and so forth. And so they were basically saying, look, we're considering you an unbeliever, uh, we're praying for you, but uh, you, you are uh, not a part of the body of Christ. It was a disciplinary step that they took. And the purpose of the step was to bring this man to a place in a realization of repentance. And Paul writes 2 Corinthians, and he says, Now this guy has repented. Make sure you receive him back into the church and that you show love to him because we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Can I tell you something? The devil wants to take what is good and use it to wreak havoc in somebody's life. And so how do you know what to do in these circumstances? Well, you listen to the Holy Spirit and you let him guide you. Of course, listen to the Word of God as well. Um, the Word of God uh, gives us our, our blueprint, and it is authored by the Holy Spirit. But uh, also listen to His Spirit and in guiding you in what to say and how to say it. Uh, in those cases that are, are particularly sensitive, I will pray. Sometimes I have fasted and prayed over a conversation because I knew that it could have a lot of different results. <laughs> and, and I love the person, and I wanted to go to that person in the right spirit and and have God speak through me. Uh, the Bible says a wise man considers what he says before he says it. Uh, but not just considering, but listening to the Holy Spirit as you speak to somebody. And so Paul has, Paul has uh, given a whole lot of thought uh, to this problem. And he recognizes, first of all, that it's a hill on which to die. Um, there's, there's some things that you need to stand for because to not stand for means it costs you everything. 
If you don't stand for the gospel, you lose the forgiveness of God. You lose eternal life. You lose the joy and the rest of God and the peace of God. Uh, all of these things come through the gospel. They come no other way. And so Paul says, I'm going to stand, but as I stand for the gospel, I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit and let him direct what I do and what I say. That's always a wise thing to do. Uh, keep your ears open. Uh, somebody once said the wheels of God grind exceeding slow, but they grind exceeding fine. God knows how to bring about a situation in exactly the way it needs to be brought about. So listen to the Spirit in times of warfare and struggle. Secondly, stand for the truth. Stand for the truth. Look at verse 5. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even an hour so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. In other words, Paul says, I stood. I would not yield. They were saying this, I was saying that. And I would not uh, stop making my case. Why? Because of the gospel. I'm standing for the truth. Um, we live in a culture that is politically correct. And everybody expects everybody else to shut up if there's something that you could possibly say that would offend somebody else. But I tell you, there's an offense to the cross. The Bible says that. But we are called to share it. And we are called to stand upon it. I want to tell you something. There's some people um, that call themselves Christians in our culture today who deny that there's one way to be saved. I want to tell you something. There's just one way. It may be unpopular. Uh, it may not uh, be considered to be open-minded. But the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. There's just one way. Uh, Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross so that we could be saved. If we deny the gospel, we make the blood of Christ count for nothing. So stand for the truth. Now there's some things to stand on, and there's some things that are secondary. That's important to mention. Um, your view on the end times would be a secondary issue. Uh, somebody said, I'm a premillennialist. And somebody said, I'm an amillennialist. Somebody said, I'm a postmillennialist. And the other guy said, I'm a panmillennialist. I believe it's all going to pan out in the end. Uh, we may not uh, always agree on end times issues, but we can agree that Jesus is coming. Amen? And we need to be ready for it. And so, um, end times issues are secondary. Of course, um, if you say, say that the kingdom of God's already come, that Jesus has already brought in the kingdom, and uh, like there were some in the church, that's a different question. <laughs> Not, but, uh, but the central issue is the gospel. The most important part, how a person is saved. I want to tell you something. If you want to know how effective false teachers are, and how probably stubborn the human heart is to not believe something that God's Word says. When you go around in the community as we have in, in EE and you ask the question, um, what do you believe it takes for a person to get to heaven? And you hear people say, well, uh, 
live a good life, do more good things than bad things, uh, go to church, be baptized, go to Sunday school, serve in the church. We hear that over and over and over and over again. Or something like this. Well, believe in Jesus and live a good life. Listen, I want to tell you, that's everywhere. The gospel is under assault. There's just one way to be saved, and it has nothing to do with your good works or mine. It has to do with the perfect work of my Savior in his perfect life. He was tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. His substitutionary death on the cross where he paid for my sin and said it is finished. His resurrection on the third day. This is the gospel. To respond to what Jesus has done by repentance and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. This is the gospel. Stand for the truth. Now, also be careful how you stand. When you are talking to a lost person, love them. Now, I, I have failed at this before. Sometimes you ask somebody, and it wasn't so much that I was upset at the person, but I was upset at what somebody taught him, and I began to get angry. And I said nothing to him, but my wife tells me, you can see what I'm thinking on my face. And so... Um, I think I, I ruined an opportunity with that, with that man to have an openness to talk about the gospel because of the way I responded to him. And so uh, be careful in how you respond. Ask God to give you a heart of love for people who are lost. But when you get inside the church and somebody's teaching this in the church, sometimes there needs to be very, very clear statements of this is the gospel, this is not the gospel, this is the truth we believe. And so Paul is making a very clear statement here. You stand for the truth. Now you don't, with a lost person, you don't back down from the truth. You just need to do it, as you stand for the truth, you need to do it with gentleness and respect. Um, and, uh, and if the person won't receive it, they won't receive it. That's up to God to deal with their heart. But you share the truth in love. And so, but stand for the truth. You know, I believe that Christians have been silent too much in our country. Um, we sometimes, sometimes we, we, there are people who say too much, and they say it in an unkind way, and they cause things to be taken the wrong way. Um, but we need to speak up. We need to be willing to say what we believe when people ask us and have a conversation and not be afraid to say, I'm a Christian. I believe uh, that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And to be willing to be open and say these things. Why? Because if we don't share the truth, where are they going to get it? They're not going to get it from CNN or, or, or from, or from uh, the, the media. Uh, they're not going to get it from Hollywood. They're going to get it from Christians. And so we've got to stand for the truth. So if the gospel is to thrive in America, and by the way, let me, let me just take a side detour here. One reason I am proud to be a Southern Baptist is the stand that we have taken for the truth of God's word. The Southern Baptist Convention 
a few decades ago, was the first convention in the history, or I guess recorded history, that had gone a liberal direction away from the Word of God and turned around and came back to the Word of God. That's something to be proud of as Southern Baptists. We have stood for the gospel. And uh, people, I, we, we had somebody in our neighborhood, uh, uh, these two ladies were walking one day, and Sherry overheard them say, uh, some, somebody was Southern Baptist, and the other lady said, Southern Baptist, you know, kind of got a scowl on her face and kind of spit it out. Well, listen, I want to tell you something. They may spit it out, and there may be reasons why they're spitting it out that have nothing to do with the stand that we take for truth, and sometimes we're, we can be our own worst enemy. But I do not, and I will not be ashamed of standing for the truth of God's Word. Uh, the gospel is that important. So stand. Um, if you're persecuted, stand. There are Christians all over this world. You've seen it on the news. You've seen ISIS behead people, probably, if, you, if you've looked at YouTube. Uh, you've seen these horrible things that, that people are doing to Christians around the world. Why? Because they will not deny the name of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something. The gospel is that important. So, stand for the truth. Listen to the Spirit. How do you live wisely in times of warfare? Listen to the Spirit. Stand for the truth. Thirdly, recognize the grace. Recognize the grace. Look at verse 9. When James, Cephas, which is another name for Peter, and John recognized his pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. What is, what is Paul saying here? These pillar apostles, James the brother of the Lord, Peter, and John, these guys saw and noticed the grace that had been given to me. What's he talking about? The ability that God gives us by his grace to do a work of service or ministry. As I was sharing with them about the gospel, they saw how God was using me. And though our gospel was the same, our, our methods in, in communicating to different cultures was a little different. But they saw the grace of God in me and they supported me. Aren't you grateful for people that supported you and believed in you in your life? Um, not that Paul had to have that. Had they not recognized the grace that God had given him, Paul could have still continued uh, to serve and, and be a servant of God. But the fact is, the fact that they recognized this grace that God had given him allowed a bridge to be built together. Now, they were agreed on the gospel, but they're also agreed that God is using them. Sometimes we, because people do things differently than we do them, we say, well, that's not of God. Not necessarily. God may use somebody in a different way than he uses us, and that's okay. Uh, he may use somebody to reach a different group of people than he uses us to, to reach. Uh, Paul mainly to the uncircumcised. He went to the Jewish synagogues in each city where he went. He went there first, but most of the time they rejected him and went to the Gentiles. Primarily his audience was the uncircumcised. Peter, John, and James, Lord's brother, 
primarily their audience was a Jewish audience. But they were sharing the same gospel, just going out about, at it a little differently because of the different cultures that were there. And James and, and, the, and the others said, Paul, praise God, you're being used by God. All these people are coming to faith in Christ. Praise God for what he's doing through you. And they recognized the, the grace of God in his life. And they said, we support you, brother. We're behind you. We're in this thing together. And they set a great example. Uh, as I'm sure it was a great encouragement to Paul. But they also set a great example that would later be shown at the, at the uh, Jerusalem conference when these issues were finally settled in a very definitive way. Um, so they recognize the grace in other people. You know, God creates us with diversity on purpose. He gives us different spiritual gifts on purpose. He gives us different talents on purpose. He gives us different interests on purpose. The fact that we're different is a good thing. You know, when I got married, every marriage has times of adjustment, right? You adjust to each other because you're different. You do things differently. Uh, you think about things differently. But you know what I've found? As I've been married to my wife for years, I've found that those differences are a good thing. Why? Because she has gifts and talents that God has given her that he's not given me. And I've got gifts and talents that he's given me that he's not given her. And together, we're better than we are apart. And that's by God's design. And so the church is the same way. The church is better when the diversity of God's people is at work. The kingdom of God is bigger than me. And it's bigger than you. And God, God has all different kinds of ways of reaching people. Uh, there was a, a biker church I heard about in uh, Texas. They started a church. The guy that was going to be the pastor was a biker. And, it was, and he, he went to this area that had a lot of bikers. He started a church, and it was called a biker church. And all these bikers came. And, buddy, they loved Jesus, and they witnessed. And uh, I want to tell you something. God did a work through that biker church, but there's probably some people who criticized it. What are they doing wearing those leather jackets? You know, why don't they wear a three-piece shoe? You know, uh, then they, they had the cowboy churches. That, that was the thing when I first started out in the ministry that had just kind of caught on in Texas. And I want to tell you, they were winning all kinds of people to Christ in these cowboy churches. They started church to reach cowboys. They wore blue jeans and western wear, probably cowboy hats. Uh, I don't know if they had the hats on in the church. I probably took them off. But, but, uh, but they were trying to reach this certain people group with the gospel. Praise God, they didn't do church like they did at my church. But praise God, people were being reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm glad that God has differences in his people because it makes us stronger and it helps us to be more effective. Recognize the grace in other people. And also recognize that if people don't th do things exactly the same way that you do, that's okay. Uh, sometimes people think, well, if, if people don't have my gift and they're not doing what I'm doing, they're not right with God. No, that's not the case. God may have a different avenue of service for them. So 
recognize the grace that's there, and it does a whole lot towards living wisely in times of warfare. Um, one of the things that really encouraged me in a time of, of struggle was a, a pastor friend who, who just took me aside. I, I was discouraged. And he took me aside and he said, Roger, I know you're discouraged, he said, but here's what I see. And he just began to list some things and to encourage me. He was recognizing the grace that God had given to me. And uh, it lifted me up. And then we prayed and that built me up. And, and what a blessing. Sometimes God's people need a little encouragement. I'm sure Paul, he was, he was, he was a tough guy. You know, he was, he, as far as being uh, persistent and uh, probably a little bit hard-headed, uh, but he was, he was uh, encouraged, I'm sure, by this recognizing of the grace that God had given him. So uh, living wise in times of warfare, recognize what God is doing through the lives of people and encourage them. And then finally, remember the poor. Now, this really has nothing to do with his battle. But in an interesting, in verse 10, he says, They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do, or I was eager to do. Uh, and so, sometimes when you're going through a struggle, you can forget the work of ministry. You know, I'm convinced that's one of the reasons the devil wants churches fighting. Because if he can get churches fighting with each other and get their eyes off the mission of reaching lost people and get their eyes off the ministry of ministering to the body of Christ, then he can be pretty effective in uh, hindering the work of Christ. Uh, Paul's remember the poor uh, statement that James and, and the rest uh, shared with him was a very important statement. Saying, look, Paul, I know you've got this struggle, and, and the gospel's important, and you need to stand for the gospel, and we're standing right there with you, but don't forget to minister to people in need. Um, isn't it amazing how Jesus always had time for people? Now, he, he did get aside and rest sometimes, you know, and you, uh, sometimes you have to do that. You have to recharge. But... I love uh, what it said when, when he was grieving over the loss of his cousin John and he'd gone aside, the people followed him and the Bible says he was moved with compassion for them. And he began to heal them and he began to teach them and so forth. And what a, what a great example for us. When you're exhausted, when, you're, when, when it's hard in life, and when you're struggling, maybe struggling for the gospel, maybe taking a stand and some people don't like you, it's okay. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Don't forget to fulfill your mission. And uh, sometimes it's great just to have a simple attitude of, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? When, those, when it's overwhelming, the circumstances of life are overwhelming, what do you want me to do today? And uh, have God lay upon your heart the things he desires you to do and do those things. Sometimes I'll get four or five and I only get three of them done. That's okay. <laughs> if you're, uh, what do they call it, uh, obsessive compulsive, you, you want to get all five of them done, right? It's okay if you don't get all of them done. But let God just lead you in your life and 
just rest in the fact that your ultimate job is to please Him. Not to please people, just to do what God has given you to do. And, uh, and you'll be living wisely in a time of warfare. So how do you do that? You listen to the Spirit, stand for the truth, recognize the grace, and remember the poor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, showing us how to be wise in times where there's a struggle. I do pray that you will give us wisdom as a church uh, to be wise in the way that we interact with each other.